Welcome to the Athena Wellness Podcast, the show that invites you to take a seat around the community fire and listen to stories that inspire. I'm your host, Kathy Robinson, author, coach, and founder of Athena Wellness, a company that's dedicated to supporting you on your journey to live more wholeheartedly. Hello, and welcome to Episode 39. Thank you so much for joining me. Our guest today is Victor Briere, who is an Ayurvedic doctor and the co-founder of the International Institute of Ayurveda, which is both a clinic and an academy. It's there that he offers clients and teaches students Ayurvedic diagnostic techniques and health counseling. Victor provides in-depth, individualized consultations aimed at identifying the underlying root causes of wellness imbalances. His support is aimed to restore the body to health, and he emphasizes the importance of lifestyle and dietary balance. You can find out more about Victor at iiayurveda.com. As you'll soon hear, Victor has a calm, approachable manner coupled with a deep knowledge and passion about a holistic approach to wellness. We cover a range of topics, including what inspired him to become an Ayurvedic doctor, the importance of getting to the root cause of wellness imbalances, the importance of helping clients become more self-reliant in optimizing their well-being, and the impact that fear has on the immune system. We end this episode with our Dose of Inspiration segment, where Victor shares some of the things that are lighting him up these days. As always, I'll put links to those items and Victor's contact information in the show notes, along with a special offer he's extending to the listeners of this podcast. I came away from this conversation with a better understanding of Ayurvedic medicine and the importance of daily practices and being tuned into our inner wisdom to keep our bodies in their natural state, healthy and strong. Well, Dr. Victor, welcome to the Athena Wellness Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. So please share a bit about who you are and what you do. So I'm an Ayurvedic doctor, and Ayurveda is a word that is uh, growing in the United States. About 11 years ago when I started, um, it was like, Ayur what? (laughs) No one knew what it was. Um, But now you go into a Whole Foods or something like that. There are Ayurvedic herbs all over the place. It's becoming a thing. So, And I, of course, I'm biased, but to me, it's like about time, right? So um, Ayurveda has been around for... 8,000 plus years. I mean, it's a very old system of healing and it's basically a system of medicine that deals with the whole being. Um, It talks about the categories of the body and, you know, your constitution and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's how do we get you, the living person, to live in balance with Mm -hmm. your own unique kind of set of needs and and, um, energies, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Excellent. Thank you. And ha- what got you interested? What inspired you to become an Ayurvedic doctor? Uh, my yoga teacher did actually. Okay. So I, I, had a health, I had a health problem of my own uh, when I was 18. It was nothing too crazy, just a back issue. 
And I, you know, I grew up kind of, I grew up in Southern California with a very typical attitude towards health, uh, which is, you know, you hopefully you're healthy. And if you get sick, you go to a doctor and hopefully the doctor can fix you. And if the doctor can't fix you, you see another doctor and then, you know, that kind of attitude. So that's what I did. I said, okay, well, time to go start seeing a doctor. And that doctor couldn't fix me. And so then I went to another doctor and another specialist and an MRI and a EEG and a this and a that. And eventually after a year of all this, one of those doctors said, listen, I'm not going to send you to another specialist. Basically, you've got two choices. We don't know what's wrong with you. You can either do painkillers or you can get surgery. Mm. And I wasn't going to do either of those things as a 19-year-old guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at the time, I didn't know what else to do. So I kind of was like, okay, well, I better go looking now. And that's very long story short, what led me to Ayurveda and yoga as, um, uh, as models of health. So I saw a yoga teacher um, who I did a private session with. And basically, after a few weeks, I was fine. Had you ever done yoga before that? Like, were you interested in any of this stuff before that? No, I mean, you know, maybe philosophically a little bit. Yeah. But never really. No. So it was really a search. Oh, yeah. It was a search. And, you know, I didn't know. I was getting some people were saying, oh, yeah, it's great. And other people are like, oh, that stuff doesn't work. And, you know, the whole who do you listen to? Right. right. So yeah, at the end of the day, I listened to myself and um, it was great to heal my little back issue. That was great. But more than that, it just opened the doors to this like world that I didn't even know really existed that I could explore and frankly kind of dispelled a lot of the mythology around health that I was raised with. Um, And that was a big deal for me. I said, well, if this is true, then what else is true? Mm -hmm. And um, maybe this isn't the only way to look at health where it's like just cross my fingers and hope I don't get sick. Right. So I'm trying to picture you as a 20 year old guy yeah, starting to get into this other stuff. You still have your friends. Right. Right. So it's almost like this divergence starts to happen, right? That you start to get interested in some of these other things, but you're still hanging out with your buddies. You're going to college. I'm guessing you had a career plans. What is that like on, you know, diving into the, suddenly there's this whole new world that you weren't aware of. Like, what was that like? But yeah, it was like, I mean, I'm from, I'm from California. So it was like an earthquake. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, you know, it would, there were definitely hard days, right. Where I was faced with having tough conversations with people I'd had longstanding relationships with friends in college. And it's like, you know, I kind of did my college thing. And after I left college, I was with a lot of, I was friends with a lot of the people I had at the time. And I started going a different path with my health. So I started changing my diet and preventatively so that I didn't get sick in the future. I became a vegetarian. Um, you know, I stopped a bunch of other habits that college kids do things like that. And it was amazing. A lot of friendships I had that I thought were friendships Mm -hmm. were basically, they're just drinking buddies. Right. And they fell away and it wasn't like there was some big blow up or anything like that. They just stopped inviting me to things. Yeah. You realize that they're, they're not as entertaining when you're not drinking. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that, that was, you know, that was hard. But at the same time, on the other side of that, the people who really were genuinely my, my cohorts stuck around and there was no problem and they got it. And even they made some changes themselves. Mm-hmm. So it kind of filtered out a lot of the stuff that wasn't um, in alignment with what I was, where I was going in my life. 
And so I just kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. And once I got over that initial, like, oh no, like, you know, am I going to lose all my friends type fear, which turned out not to be true. Uh, it was easy from then on out. You know, I just kind of stayed in my integrity and, and went for it. Um, my career shifted. I, I started out in real estate after college and I was going to get a PhD in philosophy. I decided not to do that. And, you know, a lot of conversations with my mentor kind of led me to like, okay, what do I really want to do in this world? And it was like, well, this is what I really want to do, but how do you make a living? And, you know, the questions that everyone faces. Sure. And it turns out that most of it was just fear and I was able to do it all. So, yeah. Well, I tell you, you were blessed to do that at such a young age. Yes. It's taken some of us decades to be able to get to that point where you push past that fear and you do what you really want to do. So good for you for, for recognizing that uh, at such an early age. Yeah, I had a lot of help. I had a lot of help. I think that's crucial for anyone at any age. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I think about your your practice or what I understand of it, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, what sets it apart from what we think about conventional medical approach is investing the time to get to know your clients and the root cause of what's ailing them. So can you give an example and explain why that's so important when you start out with a new client? Yeah. I mean, it's everything. I, if some people ask me how, like, give us like a few words to describe Ayurveda. And if I had to choose, um, I would say root cause. Those are my two words I would use. And I think it gets to the heart of it. So if I have, let's say, let's say I have a thyroid deficiency and I go to a doctor and I get blood work done and it's like, you have low thyroid numbers. Well, time to take a thyroid pill. That's what I would say is treating the symptom. Mm-hmm. Ayurveda says, well, yeah, we need to get your thyroid to function better, but what's causing that problem? Mm-hmm. Is it food? Is it sleep? Is it combination of food and sleep? Is it the perceptions you're taking in? Is it your stress levels? Is it your relationships, which everyone should put an earmark on? Um, and most of the time, it's a combination in some shape, form, or size of all of them that makes up our unique life. And so Ayurveda wants to dig into that world and say, okay, how are we going to entangle your personal healing knot? Because I'm not just going to give you this pill that's prescribed for everyone with low thyroid. It's not going to happen in an Ayurveda consultation. Um, So of course there are commonalities between us and motifs and themes and stuff like that. But when you get down to it with someone, you got to get into it with them personally. Um, so that's why an Ayurvedic, you know, initial, at least an initial appointments, 45 minutes, not five. Um, and you got to explore all the areas of your life where these root causes are, are generating the pathology as opposed to just what's the problem? Uh, is there a quick fix? Yes or no? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And it's beyond the physical is what you're, you're, you're taking everything into yeah. your mind, body, spirit holistically. Yeah. Cause our physical body is basically this this expression of the physical plus the physical plus our our energetics and our mind and our way of living um our physical body is very communicative and if you know its language mm-hmm. yeah yeah and there's another element of your practice i really appreciate and that's the goal of self-reliance for your for your clients um helping someone learn how to optimize their own well-being 
by connecting with their inner wisdom. And you've alluded to that a little bit in what we've just been talking about, but can you speak more to that, the importance of someone being able to recognize some of the causes of the, of the root cause themselves? Yeah, so a lot of times that's where a consultation will start. Someone will come in and they'll, they'll say, you know, I noticed this or I noticed that. I noticed that whenever I, then X, Y, Z happens. And to me, that's a, that's a, the, the door has cracked in their personal wisdom. Um, and it's like, okay, let's open that door fully and really understand what this is because that's going to be tied to this. And then that's going to be tied to something else. And you can connect the dots or fill in the spider web or however, whatever your personal metaphor that you like to use is. Um, and it's going to unlock all these connections for someone as to why they're experiencing something in their body that is being actually produced by almost always a lifestyle issue. And for better or worse, we have a lot more responsibility and creative power over our health than we like to think. And that's not to say that if you get diagnosed with cancer, it's your fault, you know, but it is to say that, yeah, let's, let's be honest. The things you do at 20, 30, 40 affect you when you're 50, 60, 70. So you got to be aware of that and, and, and keep it and maintain your body um, in a healthful way to avoid a lot of future disease. And, and that's where it really helps to get help. Um, because I think that we, a lot of people have an intuitive starting point, mm -hmm. you know, it could be the phrase, you know, something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but something is wrong. Another thing is like, you know, I just feel like, I feel like these things are connected and I can't find answers. Those kinds of things. It's always a really good starting point. The only place I caution people is that when you're out of balance, the mind does really funky things. And a lot of times intuition or the mind masquerades as intuition. And that's when it really helps to have an extra set of eyes and ears because it's like, you know, I really just feel like my body needs more protein. So it's time to go have a hamburger at nine o'clock at night. That is not intuition. Um, that is a craving pulling you in a direction. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, there's that game that we play with ourselves. So I think we get a lot of intuitive starting points, but then it's it's tough to just navigate the waters alone, especially if you don't have experience in the health worlds. Is there some way to learn to discern that? Because I know you talk a lot about breath work, and I'm thinking like, yeah. is there some? Is it about calming? Is it about trying to hear the different voices of what might be ego, what might be wisdom. How does that work? Yeah. I mean, yeah, in theory, it's all that, uh, in practice, it tends to go the other way more often than not where we get really calm or we think we're really calm relative to ourselves. And then we, you know, maybe get some kind of insight and maybe it does have a nugget of truth in it, but it's still the ego because we have, we have layers of, of consciousness. We got consciousness, we got subconsciousness, we got unconsciousness and probably 30 layers in between all those. And things that we often think are like, you know, our true voice, we later find out we're just another layer of our subconscious or something like that, which is fine. But I run my intuitive findings by people, multiple people, people who I trust, people who will tell me the truth, um, people who know me really well. I, I very rarely just, oh, that's my intuitive insight going for it, regardless of what it, what it is. 
um, because we trick ourselves so frequently, especially when it comes to places where we have fear, like the health world, relationships, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you give an example and not to disclose any kind of patient information at all, you can make up a hypothetical example of where you may have started in one place, but in working through with the client, you wound up someplace else and really hit on what that root cause was. So just an example of how you can kind of need to navigate through some of those different layers of consciousness. Yeah, sure. Um, Here's a great example. Young lady in her 20s. And she comes in for, um, I'm trying to remember, it was years ago now, uh, the original reason she came in. It was for like a digestive issue or something like that. That's why she sought me out. So we start talking and, you know, so, you know, what do you eat on a day-to-day basis? So as I'm listening, it's like, you know, and, and yeah, she's the kind of person who would use that. Well, intuitively, I feel intuitively, I feel. So it turns out that as I'm listening, it's like, well, she has an eating disorder. You know, it's very clear. She's underweight. She's, you know, very obsessive about her food choices. Everything's revolving around food. Relationships are based around food. You know, all her emotions are tied into food. So we start talking. It turns out that, you know, she's binging and purging. Mm. So there's no point in talking about some herb I'm going to give her for a digestive issue if she's binging and purging. Right. Right. So that's the real issue. So then we start talking about that. Why we're going down the rabbit hole. Well, of course, she came from a traumatic past. She had an abusive family life. And then there's even beyond that, which is, okay, so why are we now responding to the past the way we are in this moment? And this sounds like kind of almost therapy. Mm. But it's, it's not. It's the Ayurvedic pathology of an illness. And so when we eventually get to the root cause, which always comes down to like, why is she making the choices she's making now? Not the choices she had to make when she was 15, but the choices she's making now. Then we get into the realm of what can we change? What are we willing to change and why or why not? That's really where the hard work comes in, but the rewarding work comes in. And that's where most people's health issues stem from. We all have stuff, maybe not that extreme, but we all have stuff that follows that same general pathology. Mm -hmm. And just following on that, it just reminded me of, there was an old joke of um, somebody going to a doctor's office and and the, the guy saying, give it to me straight, doc. How long do I have to stop ignoring your advice? (laughs) So my follow-up question to that is, you know, the non-medical approach is more in align with my own belief system. So that would be a relief to me to hear, okay, we have to really look at your choices and why you're doing what you're doing. But I know that scares a lot of people. Terrifying. Yeah. So how do you keep your, how do clients stay motivated through that process? Because it's not a quick fix, right? No, it's not. I mean, there are some things that are quick fixes for sure. And that's great. Um, most serious chronic disease is not a quick fix, but we seek that quick fix. We crave that quick fix because we just want to go on with our life. But unfortunately we have a a relationship with this body that we have. And that's kind of like saying to your spouse, you know, just do what I say and let me go on with what I'm doing. That's not going to create a very good relationship. Um, that's not really a relationship at all. Right. So we have a relationship with our body and, you know, to go back to our young lady who is suffering from the eating disorder, 
if we dig in a little bit deeper, it's like, okay, so, um, which is very relevant to this, that, that moment of fear of change. So, you know, your parents who were very abusive to you, you know, why during the course of the consultation, why do you keep spending so much time around them? Are you financially dependent on them? Yes. And they owe it to me. Okay. Right. So now we get some vengeance. We get some, the darker side of ourselves that we don't like to look at. Right. So there's a trade-off going on. There's tolerating this abusive situation. And then there's a feeling of entitlement and there's a feeling of um, fear of facing the world. And just like, will these people ever love me like they were supposed to? All that stuff is mixed in. And I'm not saying that anyone's right or wrong or good or evil. It's everything. The parents, of course, shouldn't have abused her. But also, she's got her responsibility to play in it now that she's older and does have the ability to fly free, so to speak. So that's when the fear hits, right? It's like, well, wait, if I stop eating what my mom cooks, I'm threatening that relationship. If I threaten that relationship, where am I going to get my income? Maybe I'll just live with my digestive issue. Mm -hmm. So that's where Ayurveda gets tough, but that's where it gets real. And that's where when we make those changes, we get big rewards that we never even expected to get. Because those are the kind of changes that really change more than we think they're going to change when we step beyond that fear. And I'm sure it's incredibly rewarding to be able to see the folks that actually do get through that fire. What's amazing to me is that, you know, when you started by when we were talking about, you know, your, your friends and being that mirror for them and some chose to change and some kind of went their way. And now we're talking about the mirror to the self yes. and having to face, this is what's really going on. Now, how do we address the issue? And that's, uh, that's intense. It's very intense. And these, these ancient healing traditions all point toward that stuff. And one of the reasons Western medicine evolved the way it did is not because doctors are evil or anything like that, or it's because the consumers of Western medicine demand certain things. So give me a pill. I don't want to change. And if I'm not going to change my lifestyle, then the only option I have left is some pill and just keep me afloat until I die. I wouldn't call that healing. I would call that maintenance. Healing is when you take that deeper journey into your own shadows and into the parts you're responsible for, knowing that you can't control everything. But whenever there's an illness, there's a responsibility present somewhere in that person's life. Mm -hmm. oh, love that. Love it. You know, we touched on fear um, quite a bit. And when I think back on this year, fear has been an overarching theme. Yeah. Huge. Can you talk a bit about fear and the impact that it has on the immune system? Oh yeah. Great question. I'm um, glad you brought that up. I mean, it's, it's more relevant than ever, like you said. So let's go into a little bit of physiology just for context. The idea that the mind and the body are separate, we should just take that ball it up and throw it out the window and never look at it again. They're completely integrated. There is a nerve called the vagus nerve and it's part of the autonomic nervous system. And it's, it's the connection between your sense organs, your mind and your internal other internal organs. So it's a physical thing. Um, anything I see, hear, smell, taste, feel, runs that information runs through this nervous system and determines whether my environment is safe or threatening. Based on that assessment, my entire physiology changes dramatically. So if I sit down to eat at a table and I'm stressed, 
I'm not going to digest that food well. It doesn't matter what nutrients are inside that food. That is huge because in the West, we are like hyper-focused on nutrients, which if you notice, there's a parallel between that and taking a pill, if you think about it. Mm. Um, it's basically the same idea towards food that it is towards medicine. Interesting. There's this thing outside of me and it doesn't have anything to do with me. And if I eat it, I'll be fine. Um, that is not how it works. That's only half the equation. The other half of the equation is us, our body. So depending on what state I'm in, when I eat, if I'm stressed, I'm not going to digest the food. If I'm very calm and relaxed, I'll digest the food. Fear sends you into your sympathetic nervous system. That's the stress nervous system. So if I perceive a threat, whether I watch the news or literally there's a threat in front of me, or I even think that something might be threatening, I go into my sympathetic nervous system. In that nervous system, my body ramps up to either fight, flight, freeze, the defense mechanisms we all know, and get ready to deal with the threat in whatever way I'm going to deal with the threat. In that state, I'm not healing. I'm not digesting. I'm not relaxing. I'm not rejuvenating. I'm not none of that. I am acting. I am protecting. I'm defensive. That's what fear puts us in. That's what fear is. Fear is saying, hey, there's a threat. Mind the threat. And it's perfectly healthy to have fear. The problem is we have too much fear. We have fear when there's really no threat. We have fear when, when we should feel safe. COVID, it's like, where is it? Where is it? You know, I'm afraid all the time. I go into a store, am I going to die? Um, do I have to be alone for the rest of my life? Right? Because I'm isolated and that is a huge trigger. Um, disease just skyrockets when someone's isolated mm -hmm. um, because our neurologies are built such that we are literally crafted to have social interaction. Um, everyone, every healthy person has a healthy social interface going on. So COVID of course does all that. And I think that after the COVID tidal wave epidemic has ended, we're going to see a lot of health ramifications, not from COVID itself, from the loneliness, the isolation, uh, all that stuff, because all that stuff is running through your nervous system constantly. The threat doesn't have to be real. Is that Perceived. Right. Yeah, perceived. Actually, there are even uh, there's a lot of evidence, and I, I can I I personally agree with it because I verify it in my clinic and with myself that actually the perception is more impactful than the reality most of the time. What I mean by that is there are many times where let's say someone is a genuine support, they're genuinely trying to help me in a real way that will positively impact my life for real. That actually does less for me than the than someone who I just think will help me, hmm. if that makes sense. It does. Never heard that. Yeah. Yeah, it's trippy. So, you know, the if someone knocks on your door and is like, hey, you know, I'll sit with you. I'll help you change your life. I'll do all that stuff. And for real, they mean it. But they just are kind of saying it normally. And you say, eh, you know, not interested. But then someone comes up and they're full of hot air and they're like, they, but they got all the bells and whistles and I'll give you this supplement and that supplement and look how colorful my shirt is. And, you know, I'll do it all for $9.99, you know, <laughs> that thing. And it's like, oh yeah, you know, you're the one who's gonna help me. Yeah, that's how marketing works. Yeah, it lights up all the different areas in yeah, your brain, right? right? Yeah. And so that perceived help, at least temporarily, 
you feel all great inside. And then we make decisions based on those feelings. But really, it was the guy just standing there saying, yeah, I'll help you out and meaning it, who was the better choice, actually. Well, um, is there anything that you would like to share? Any parting thoughts before we get into our last segment here? Yeah, there's so much you can do. And it's really, I know it sounds scary, but it's really not all that scary once you get into it. You know, when you really take the dive, it's like, oh, you know, I was actually terrified that, uh, you know, my spouse was going to leave me if I stopped drinking alcohol, for example. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that never happens, but on the whole, it doesn't. You know, there's a lot in between before the fear comes and gets us, you know. And that's all stuff that can be worked with. So I just encourage people, you know, you, you can create your health. You really can. And don't let fear stop you from starting that journey because it's super rewarding. I mean, if we don't have our health, all our other dreams, we could pretty much kiss goodbye for the most part. Mm-hmm. Well said. Very good. Um, our listeners love learning about our guests, especially new things to explore and what keeps them inspired. So we like to wrap up with a couple of standard questions on you know what's keeping you lit up these days. So what have you read or listened to lately that you've enjoyed? Um, there are a few things. So Stephen Porges wrote The Polyvagal Theory. He wrote what's called The Pocket Guide to the Polyvagal Theory, which is much more palatable. Um, and that's all about the vagus nerve and the autonomic nervous system. I mean, that completely is is life-changing. The uh, Esther Perel is a a relationship counselor who had, I mean, she really gets down to the realities of relationship, which is one of the pillars of health, according to Ayurveda, is how we have relationship. And she just, she's interested in the truth and then sharing that. She's not shy about saying certain things and all that. So I think she's really inspired. Mm-hmm. She's very accessible. Very accessible. Yeah. And so I appreciate her for that. Mm-hmm. Those, those, are, those are really inspiring things. Excellent. Very good. And I'll put links to all of these in, in the show notes. Um, what new thing or experience are you looking forward to trying? Well, I'm opening up an Ayurvedic school. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, uh, I've been teaching for a while, but I'm, I'm going to a different octave and really doing like certification programs for full on Ayurvedic training and all that. So any listener who wants to learn Ayurveda, come check us out. That's wonderful. I'll put a link to, to the Academy, right? I believe. The International Institute of Ayurveda. Okay. Yeah. And then as we're coming out of, um, you know, the pandemic here, envision your perfect road trip. Where would you go? What do you do? My perfect road trip is flying over to Italy and driving all across Italy. Nice. Yeah. Beautiful. And what has you feeling inspired these days? What's lighting you up? Um, you know, personally, there's been a, a facet of Ayurveda I've been exploring, which is the difference between masculine medicine and feminine medicine, the two approaches. Uh, we could do a whole podcast on that. Wow. And how it relates to the three primary causes of disease, according to Ayurveda, which are the misuse of the senses, going against our own wisdom or intuition, and time are the three primary causes. Wow. Uh, which is like, what? Really? How? And it's like, it's actually a very beautiful uh, description of how that works. And then masculine medicine is very direct and, you know, penetrating and feminine medicine is much more 
um, space creating and, you know, fluid, fluid and stuff like that. And how to use both um, in conjunction with each other to get effects. And um, that's been really in inspiring to explore that. For example, here's a good, here's a good case. So let's say I'm in a consultation and I could tell there's some fear present and someone's beating around the bush about the real issue. A masculine approach is going to be stopping around the bush, what's really going on and how are we going to deal with it now? Mm -hmm. Right. To take the time component out of, out of the equation, which is one of the primary causes of disease, the progression of time, allowing time to exist. So while that might be like, Ooh, ouch, harsh, you know, or even like, ah, you know, too direct. There's a compassion behind it because it's like, no, if I let you sit here and just meander around your disease is marching forward in time. Mm. So that's a masculine approach. The feminine approach is much more like, you know, let's open this whole thing up to exploration. Tell me all your feelings. Don't leave any stone unturned. Create a lot of space to explore. And then how that translates into like therapies, Ayurvedic therapies, a masculine approach would be using a very intense penetrating herb, right? like we do a nasal administration in Ayurveda that just like, man, it just hits to get like an effect really fast and really intensely, which should only be used in certain contexts. A feminine approach is going to be doing, you know, hours of therapies that get someone in their parasympathetic nervous system so that they can finally relax. And finally their body can start a long-term rejuvenation process and you're using oils and you're going slow and methodic and there's no harsh anything mm. that would be much more feminine oh fascinating stuff yeah. um and then the last question what has you optimistic about the future uh i do think people are waking up to like hey taking a pill doesn't work i just need i end up needing a pill for my pill um <laughs> and yeah so i think people are really waking up to that and that's great because it will change the face of western medicine it will change the face of how we do healing in the West and it's time. And, you know, what gives me hope is that people are going to really wake up to the fact that, you know, we, we really need to stop just eating meat every second we get. <laughs> um, like literally, I know I'm not, I'm not saying that there isn't a time and a place to eat meat. It's, it's in Ayurveda too. If there are certain diseases that you use meat to heal, but you know, four or five times a day with just destroying the environment and everything. And I mean, it's just, it's gone way beyond hunter gatherer, right? Um, it's so far beyond that. Yeah. Right. Wonderful. And then what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch? You mentioned the name of your, your website, but if you can give the info and I'll, again, I'll put links as well. Yeah. Easy to reach me. I, I, Ayurveda.com. And Anyone who comes, if they want to type in your name in an email or whatnot, then I'm happy to give them a free, just like talk on what is their Ayurvedic constitution. Um, please do that instead of taking one of the online quizzes, because one of the online quizzes is going to end up telling you what your imbalance is, not what your balance state is. And you don't want to perpetuate your imbalance. So um, happy to happy to do that and, and connect with people. Okay, that's wonderful. I'll put that in the notes as well. Well, I really appreciate it. It's such a lovely conversation. Thank you so much for explaining uh, what you do and the impact. And uh, I hope uh, our listeners will reach out 
and uh, and have a consultation. That'd be wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Victor. Thanks, Kathy. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know there are many ways you can spend your time. Thank you for choosing to spend it with me. Until our paths cross again, be kind to yourself and show your warrior spirit some love. If you know anyone who could benefit from today's episode, please pass it on. And many thanks for supporting the show by subscribing and leaving a review. It means a lot and it helps others find their way to our circle. If you'd like to access the show notes, have a question you'd like addressed on a future episode, or would like a transcript of this episode, visit www.athenawellness.com slash podcast. Until next time, be well.